Recorded live. Hello, this is William Fink, and this is Christogenia Saturdays. Today is Saturday, June 20th, 2015. Praise Yahweh, the God of Israel, and thank you for listening. Tonight we have Pastor Mark down here, and next week also, to discuss his recent two-part sermon, White Genocide. The ultimate curse. We've all heard the memes. We've all heard the memes, and we know where they come from. Most of the people concerned with white genocide are secular white nationalists who have no answers. They like making little rhymes and little videos and, and, and scaring us into impending into a belief of impending doom or this perception of impending doom christian identity we believe we do have the answers answers and identity christians should not see white genocide the way godless white nationalists see this problem we understand the problem we understand the causes of it and we understand the solution. The problem is that when we feed these godless white nationalists, we actually abandon Yahweh our God. So we must ask ourselves, is there a better way to think of what's going on and what's happening to us and our race in the world today? And with that, we will turn it over to Pastor Mark Downey. Hello, Mark. Hello, Bill. Uh, Yeah, this is uh, something that has been percolating for years, decades, of uh, all kind of people saying the sky is falling and uh, uh, with negative uh, overtones that uh, really doesn't give our people the hope that Christian identity does. Um, before I go any further, I'd like to um, open with a prayer, if I may. My guess. And I invite our listeners to join. Father in heaven, we are thankful for the opportunity and the venue you provide for us to bring forth the racial message of hope found in the good news of the Gospels. We pray that our words tonight communicate what really saves our people. We pray that our presentation is not seen as gratuitous bashing of secular white nationalists, but to lift them up and out of modern Babylon, which is implored of true Israel to come out of her, my people. We pray for the leader shepherds who have led the sheep astray, causing our people to be lost and blind, that they may repent or be seen as doing more harm than good. We are thankful that we have found the way, uh, the truth, and the life that will reverse the path of destruction, that will save us from this hideous idea of genocide and deliver us from our enemies. We pray for our listeners to receive an understanding of biblical cause and effect in order that we all may discover 
and implement the solutions to our problems together. And we give all praise, glory, and honor to our Lord and Savior, our kinsman redeemer, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. What would you what would you like to begin presenting your sermon? What we um what we can discuss various aspects of this as we go along is probably too much to discuss. It's um that you know, we all understand it is race mixing in, in in quantities that we've never seen before, that that whites are being disenfranchised from our own society. We're certainly not denying any of that. But it's the causes and, and the effect and the, the final victory in Christ that we are assured of having, and we know that's where we differ from the secular white nationalists who keep looking for these worldly solutions and, and who play the victim and, and therefore demote our race, which is supposed to be supreme, to the level of these non-white races, but which are, are nothing other than beasts. Well, there's certainly are things that uh, we should be alarmed at, but uh, we should not fear. Right. Um, as, as I mentioned uh, earlier uh, in my prayer, uh, much uh, of this consternation and um, uh, misunderstood um, things that we should be focusing on are coming from uh, leaders uh, in not only Christian identity or white nationalism, but Christian identity as well. And uh, we need to enter a paradigm where it's much more than jingoism and sound bites and just easy cliches that don't really dig deep enough to discover really how we can solve these problems. And as you said at the beginning, we believe that all of our problems can be solved through the Word of God. And, uh, and that's what uh, I, I hope we can um, delve into tonight, kind of dissecting what has gradually been evolving over decades to where we are today uh, with this type of mantra of white genocide that um, really does not offer anything to uh, assuage the dilemma that, that we're facing. All these alarming things, it, it seems to be more and more frequent, uh, just like this uh, shooting in Charleston, South Carolina, uh, which always has the reciprocal government cries for uh, draconian legislation and, and more things that, that one could easily attribute to uh, people trying to destroy the white race. So, Tonight, I hope we can get beyond the secular white nationalist notion that um, we can just hold up signs on a street corner and, and hope that uh, people will uh, wake up. Uh, but 
I don't think that's going to happen. It's, it's going to take a little bit more of every white person to realize that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And because of that, because the nation race of Israel, true Israel, uh, has backslidden from God's laws and turned to man's laws, we're under divine judgment. It's not uh, uh, a genocide by our enemies that's going to carry forth and uh, prevail in the end. It's not. But it's our own ignorance. Uh, Hosea 4 6 says, uh, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And so, tonight I hope we can bring forth a few items that uh, people will now know that they can do something more than just holding up a sign and uh, hoping that uh, motorists driving by don't just give them that deer in the headlight look. Or the little finger. Or, yes, uh, <laughs> something works. So I guess with that, I can uh, dive into the message and uh, and Bill and I will uh, be stopping here and there and, and making uh, commentaries uh, on this subject throughout the evening. Well, this book we call the Bible begins with Genesis, but it does not end with the book of genocide. But what does genocide mean? What does being white mean? What does the combination of these two words, white genocide, mean? I believe race and racism is the most important thing in the Bible. Every law of God, biblical principle, contractual covenant, and promise is predicated on the premise that God discriminates. All of the lofty and noble doctrines of Scripture cannot be understood without the element of racial interpretation. The removal of race from the word of God began centuries ago in earnest. Colorblindness, a euphemism for racial equality, is still being blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. It's just like voting for the lesser of two evils. It's still evil. But knowing your identity is knowing your God. Knowing people of color is knowing the strange gods of racial aliens. Having a knowledge of racial differences is having a racial consciousness and puts the white man on the side of God. Having an ignorance of racial differences is having a color consciousness and actually foments the mentality of mongrelization and puts the white man on the side of false gods. The term white genocide, as we shall see, does not help white people understand the meaning of life. Quite the contrary. The expression can inculcate the ultimate curse. Earlier today, Bill, you asked me, uh, what did I mean by this color consciousness? And I, I heard that term for the first time recently from this character called Tim Weiss, who evidently has taken it upon himself to be the number one anti-racist 
in the country touring college campuses. Right. And he's a Jew pretending to be white. Yeah. And he came up with this term color consciousness, I guess, to kind of confuse people with the term racial consciousness, which is what we want to develop in our people. Well, uh, the convolution, convolution of the two terms is that um, uh, we want to know the racial differences, but we don't want to appreciate the mentality of uh, coloreds uh, in our land. Uh, that's not what we're commanded to do in the Bible. And, uh, and that's what we don't do in Christian identity. Now, the word genocide, genocide was coined by the Jew Raphael Lemkin in 1944 combining the Greek word genos, meaning race or people, with the Latin word sidir, which means to kill. The word genocide would take on a life of its own with the intent to foster Jewish, a Jewish agenda, as if the Jews were the only people in the world that could claim such a thing. Lemkin would in, initiate a pedestrian definition which would be followed by defining it legally to accommodate international law. Lemkin spinned it thusly, quote, generally speaking, genocide does not necessarily mean the immediate destruction of a nation, except when accomplished by mass killings of all members of a nation. It is intended rather to signify a coordinated plan of different actions aiming at the destruction of essential foundations of the life of national groups with the aim of annihilating the groups themselves. The objectives of such a plan would be the disintegration of the political and social institutions of culture, language, national feelings, religion, and the economic existence of national groups and the destruction of the personal security, liberty, health, dignity, and even the lives of the individuals belonging to such a group, end quote. Well, that sounds very much like what they've done to white Christian America. And the principles it was founded on in 1776, at least for two centuries, American racial policies reflected a consensus on race that was the opposite of what prevails today. Because in more Christian-friendly times, our people actually kept the law of God. But, you know, who cares about that anymore? It wasn't until after the prosecution and torture of German officials, some of whom confessed under duress and torture about the so-called Holocaust at the Nuremberg kangaroo trials, that the Jewish United Nations defined the crime of genocide at the Genocide Convention in 1948, which also established the International Criminal Court that sits in The Hague in the Netherlands today. It, it's, um, it, it's obvious to any observer that all of these laws that they make to protect their own group, the Jews, 
that they they never that they these laws have never applied in in the perspective of what's happening to whites, what's happening in Europe. It, it's we can all observe that. But the real problem that whites have is altruism. These secular white nationalists appeal to the other races for justice, imagining that the other races, including the Jews, think the way we think, have the same goals, objectives, and values that we have, and therefore that we can turn to these Jews and these other races for justice, that we can reason with them. And that's the single biggest cognitive dissonance of the secular white nationalists when it comes to the, the idea of white genocide, that crying white genocide, they expect justice from non-whites, when in truth, non-whites are never going to just give us justice. They want to rape, pillage, murder, and take all of our possessions. That's what they have in mind. We can only turn to justice to our God. And that's the last place that the secular white nationalists want to turn. And I just explained that the origin of genocide, the word genocide and, and the, um, the follow-up to that definition became a legalistic matter, uh, which was uh, uh, designed uh, specifically for Jews. And to this day, for crying out loud, there's, there's Jews that are still demanding reparations from World War II. But um, you're right. We cannot emulate what other non-white peoples do. Uh, it, it may work for them, but we have a jealous God. And he gives us other solutions to resolve issues. And we're told, do not learn the way of the heathen. And so when we think that we can do the same thing as Jews, expecting the same results, uh, it's simply not going to happen. If I can continue with um, specifically some of the things in the Genocide Convention from Article 2 of this international, and it is an international treaty which the United States is a signatory to, the, the wording starts to sound like overkill, if you'll pardon the pun. Uh, quote, in the present convention, genocide means any of the following acts committed with intent to destroy in whole, and this is important, or in part, a national, ethnic, racial, or religious group as such, killing members of the group, causing serious bodily or, and this is, this is important to mental harm to members of the group, deliberately inflicting on the group conditions of life calculated to bring about its physical destruction in whole, again, or in part, imposing measures intended to prevent births within the group. Now, they probably weren't thinking of Planned Parenthood back in 1948, right? But uh, I'm yet to hear of the uh, the uh, the Hague, the World Court, bringing Planned Parenthood, which is a precursor to the abortion mills that 
have killed millions of white babies uh, in the past decades. Article 3, and there's also forcibly transferring children of the group to another group. And, and there's another thing of Child Protective Services that uh, put white children in black families or pedophiles. Tell me that isn't a form of, of destroying the innocence of a young white child. It's unforgivable. Article 3 describes what kind of act shall be punishable. Genocide, complicity to commit genocide, direct and public incitement to commit genocide, attempt to commit genocide, complicity in genocide. Well, that could be just about wherever two or more people uh, get together and, and talk about the demise of other people, hurting their little feelings, maybe causing mental harm. In part. <laughs> well, well, most of these are only thought crimes. Right? Exactly. And this is actually a precursor to hate crime legislation. Right. Article 4 says it doesn't matter if the perpetrators of genocide are constitutional responsible leaders, rulers, public officials, or private individuals. You are, are you inclined to think that over the past several decades, the enforcement of the Genocide Treaty has been selective. Well, of course it has. Things that fall into this description have been totally ignored. And, and you're about to mention Noel Ignatiev, who, who's in um, direct violation his entire life of this Genocide Treaty. And we're hearing more and more of this rhetoric of just outright genocidal rhetoric. Let's try this one on for size. Jewish professor Noel Ignatiev of Harvard publishes a magazine, get this, called Race Trader. That's some kind of badge of honor. And its slogan is treason to whiteness is loyalty to humanity. Ignatiev writes, quote, the goal of abolishing the white race is on its face so desirable that some may find it hard to believe that it could incur any opposition other than from committed white supremacists. The key to solving the social problems of our age is to abolish the white race. Make no mistake about it. We intend to keep bashing the dead white males and the live ones and the females too until the social construct known as the white race is destroyed, not deconstructed, but destroyed, end quote. I must agree with uh, Lewis Bean, who said, let the epitaph of race traitor become the most shunned title one can acquire. May it be as dreaded by our people as the bite of a rattlesnake. Let it be shouted in our enemies' faces, painted on their buildings, and inscribed on their tombstones. Well, if that's not enough, there's another charming non-white professor from the University of Texas and founding member of the wetback organization La Raza Unida. 
which means the united race. And, and which is an organization that gets government funding through the Obama administration. Oh, and many foundations. Uh, I think uh, Henry Ford must be rolling in his grave from the millions uh, from the Ford Foundation that uh, go to these people that he warned us about through the umbrella organizations of Jewry. Um, but you know, La Raza Unida, the United Race, is really kind of a misnomer because Mexicans are one of the most mixed blood people on earth. But uh, this founding member. That's why they're called Mexicans. Yeah. It, it comes directly from the term mestizo. It, it means mixed. It's just like the term Arab in the Middle East means mixed. Well, and I was just thinking perhaps that's why it's so convenient for Arab terrorists to cross our borders because they are just as mixed as the Mexicans. And they're just as mixed as the Sephardic Jews, or the Sephardic Jews is just as mixed as them. So in the, this state in Palestine, these Arabs walk into weddings what, with bombs or whatever, but because they look just like Jews. If they put a yarmulke on, if they trade their, their, their headscarf for a yarmulke, you have a Jew. You can't tell the difference. Well, it's understandable how... Uh, the alarm bell is ringing for a lot of these white nationalists who see the Mexican border as a conduit uh, that is just um, inundating our, our nation with non-white peoples. And uh, it, it certainly is the browning of America, no doubt about it. But uh, this, this alien of the invasion is because we're disobeying God's law in the first place. In Exodus 23:33, it says, they shall not dwell in thy land, period. I mean, anybody can understand that. But a lot of secular white nationalists, their thinking is such that they figure as long as they're here already, I'll try and figure out a way to deal with their presence. If they only knew God's law. But they don't want to know God's law because secular white nationalists are immoral people. That's why they've rejected God. That they, they think that they can defend their race without their God. They, I just went and, and I just posted, and I'm going to name him by name, John D. Nugent. John D. Nugent has, and, and he's a secular white nationalist, and he has a notice on his Facebook account that he is in an open relationship. That's his marital status, that he's in an open relationship. Now, the idea of the open relationship is a Jewish construct. Open relationship itself, the term open relationship is newspeak. It's newspeak, it's politically correct language for the description of fornicators who cohabit with one another. So, so open relationship is really cohabiting fornicators. These people are immoral, and you cannot be pro-white and be immoral. Being immoral works against the interests of whites. We could actually say that this term white genocide uh, is newspeak, uh, which comes from George Orwell's 1984. 
which was the, the language where I think uh, some of the things were uh, war is peace, um, uh, and and that um, uh, it was perpetual war for perpetual peace. Well, well newspeak is newspeak is prophesied in scripture. What, where Isaiah says, woe to them who call good evil and evil good. Well, there you go. That's exactly <laughs> it. Yeah. So, you know, they, uh, they really don't have a right to uh, complain about uh, what they perceive to be white genocide when um, uh, Christians can easily tell them what we can do to uh, solve this problem. Now, there's uh, this Jose Angel Gutierrez, who was one of the founding members of La Raza Unida. And uh, he said, quote, we are the future of America. Unlike any prior generation, we now have the critical mass. We are going to Latinize this country. We have got to eliminate the gringo. What I mean by that is if the worst comes to worst, we have got to kill him, end quote. These aliens and their shock troops are on American soil and would appear to be in violation of the above-mentioned Jewish-inspired statutes of the Genocide Convention. It's just like hate crime legislation, except tailored for the exclusive prosecution of whites only on a global scale. It, it dovetails right into the utopian one world government of Jewish communism. And really, this uh, new world order thing that's been percolating since uh, Papa George Bush in the 90s is, is a world in the future uh, in which there are no Christians. Uh, there is no Christ in the churches. But in order to destroy Christianity, you have to destroy the white race. The two go together. One without the other is nothing. The Jews understand that as long as there are whites around, even if those whites are... are, are Judeo-Christians, even if those whites aren't religious at all, as long as there are whites in the world, they understand that the God that, that they hate works through the white race. As long as there are whites in the world, the Jews are in danger. And, of course, the racial alien that pours into our country, um, many of which, especially... Hispanics are Catholic, but Catholic is not Christian. It never has been. And those from other countries bring their religions as well. You know, the Catholic Catholicism, Roman Catholicism, and, and I know this from much experience, Roman Catholicism only appeals to Latino males because they can put the concept of the young white virgin with the little baby on a pedestal, and it's really about the worship of maidenhood and virginity, which boils down to 
a religion of lust. If the Catholic Church said tomorrow, okay, we realize we're wrong, we're not going to worship Mary anymore, they would lose Latin America in a day. Oh, it's very much a, a, a matriarchal type religion, uh, along with uh, superstition and uh, uh, mythology uh, emanating from their primitive cultures. But I'll tell you something, Bill. Every time a, a, a Buddhist temple or a, a Muslim mosque uh, or any other non-Christian building pops up somewhere, anywhere in America, that's, that's killing us because it's placing other gods before our God. And we're warned that, I mean, there's nothing new under the sun. The ancient Israelites uh, were uh, enamored with uh, a Baal worship. And so many times that was their downfall. That was their white genocide, if you will. And, uh, and they had the prophets at that time warning them to uh, cease and desist that uh, if not, uh, they were warned of dire things that would come to pass. And we're witnessing these dire things in our country right now because the alien invasion is bringing other gods into our nation. And we have a jealous God, and he doesn't like that. When he doesn't like things like that, there's going to be divine judgment. Right, but judgment starts with the house of Yahweh. So his people are judged first. He only chastises those he loves. And so uh, I wish, I pray that secular white nationalists would know that they have a God that loves them and doesn't want to see them destroyed and has an answer that if they would simply seek they would find. Ask and it shall be given. Well, it's never enough to just target white people for special treatment, uh, that is, persecution or arrest and convictions, making it dangerous to be right when you're white and Christian. Now, almost 100 years ago, Lathrop Stoddard wrote The Rising Tide of Color alluding to the Jewish machinations to flood America with non-whites. The, the tide indeed has gone full circle as ADL Chief Weiner, Abe Boxman said, in regards to a United Nations session addressing the rising tide of global anti-Semitism at the behest of the Israeli state that, quote, the true success of the meeting will be measured by the implementation of urgently needed and serious concrete actions to combat the tide of rising anti-Semitism. Well, how about if, if some white nationalists uh, uh, came up with a, a parallel uh, sentiment uh, measured uh, by the implementation of serious and concrete actions to combat the tide of rising 
anti-white Christians. I mean, they would be um, accused of uh, uh, what is increasingly going beyond political correctness or calling good evil, um, racism. It is now being considered a type of mental illness, especially after uh, this big shooting in Charleston, South Carolina, uh, which is questionable as to whether it was just something that happened or if there's more behind the scenes to, to this story, which we have seen in so many other incidences in which uh, there's an immediate um, anti-gun uh, thing followed along with uh, uh, cries of uh, racism. Uh, and, and now they're, they're pointing to racism being so politically incorrect that um, they'll take one white guy, the perpetrator, who may be some kind of Manchurian candidate, we don't know really, but there's, that's suspicion, that uh, you're going to castigate a whole race because of one person. And by the same token, totally ignore the astronomical crimes against white people by blacks and non-whites on a daily basis. Every day there are crimes, violent crimes, perpetrated against our own people. There was actually a, um, an article in the London Telegraph a year or two ago, and that article reported that British researchers allegedly found that a common heart disease drug lowers racism in individuals who take the pill. <laughs> so they're actually looking for a pill for racism when we should be looking for a pill for niggers. <laughs> well, after all, you know, the world must learn the lessons of the Holocaust and nip any would-be Hitler in the bud. We should learn the lessons of the Holocaust, that it has never been a legitimate case of genocide and how easily the world can be fooled into believing something that didn't really happen at least not the way the Jews say it happened. And of course, that's all funneled through the controlled news media controlled by Jews. Um, they've denied this for so many years, but really, even one of their own um, has written a book called An Empire of Their Own and uh, uh, gives a, a plentiful amount of Jewish names in uh, the media industry that controls basically the flow of information and selects is selective about which news story they'll blow away it out of proportion. Uh, and you know, in some countries, uh, you can even be thrown into jail for years for Holocaust denial. Uh, I know you were just telling me today about the the nicest looking little old lady you could ever imagine in Germany who is daring, knowing full well that in Europe you can be thrown into jail 
or questioning uh, anything about the so-called Holocaust. Now, this should raise the ire of, of white men that this is like their grandmother, that they're going to throw in jail. But they did it. But they did it. And, you know, when are people going to say enough is enough? It's because of the grandiosity of this big lie of all big lies. God is going to reciprocate the Jewish claim with a, a bona fide genocide. And this is clearly elucidated in the Holy Bible by prophecy, where they will be consumed by fire. I don't know about Zyklon B, but fire is where the tares are going to be thrown into. We should also learn that Jews have a neurotic persecution complex that makes them the eternal crybabies of imaginary oppressions. And this is something white people should never get into a rut of uh, psychologically feeling sorry for themselves. Let the Jews play that game. That's not even within our framework. That's not in our soul to, to act that way. No, no, it's not, but it's the public school system is used to, to make children believe they have to act that way. And many of those children do carry that to adulthood. They, they have killed off our warrior class in the many Jew wars of the past century. And indeed, uh, the 10th plank of the Jewish Communist Manifesto is a free education for all children. And uh, it, it seems to be getting worse and worse. Christian identity was calling for families to remove their children from the schools years ago for homeschooling because it's even gotten to the point now of a, a sissification, making little boys sissies as normal. And, and uh, oh, sex education has gone way beyond what it was even 20 years ago. That should shock every white Christian. Uh, they should march right down to their schools, yank their children out today. This gambit of playing the sympathy card one too many times uh, may be a lucrative enterprise for Jews until enough people find out that it's the Jew who is the world's oppressor. They even brag about it uh, in their writings, so cocky of themselves. And, and they project all of that onto whites. It, it's, they talk about white privilege all the time, but, but what's perceived as white privilege in the public arena is really Jewish privilege because the, the, the whites with those privileges aren't white, they're Jews. And it's Jewish privilege that they project onto whites that they constantly run these smoke screens so that they can escape the crime. You can go to many major U.S. cities today, and there are Jewish enclaves that are upper class, behind the gate communities. Uh, there are no Jewish ghettos in the United States of America. <laughs> but the parasite, uh, it's often been compared that the Jew is like a, a parasite on a dead carcass. 
And the thing is, you know, Ezekiel talked about the dry bones. Uh, you know, there's just about no more meat left on, on the skeleton. They picked us dry, folks. Money and tyranny go hand in hand, and it can only be maintained at the expense of other people. Other people dying, even if it means the wholesale slaughter of those who stand in the way of Jewish bottom line, greed and fortune. The world wars were orchestrated by Jews in government, banking, and the media. Today, it's buttressed with every alien religion and denomination of Judeo-Churchianity to rationalize the war on terrorism in perpetuity. It seems the word genocide is just a fancy word for corporate serial killers or murderers with a new caveat that if you hurt somebody's little feelings, then that too is equated with the motive to exterminate people based on race, religion, and nationality. And again, some of the fallout from this thing in Charleston, South Carolina, is over the Confederate flag. There's people demanding that Dixie comes down. And Dixie, the stars and bars, uh, are darn right have been a symbol of racism within our movement for many years. And it's a shame. I mean, some states have even removed the stars and bars from their state flags. But there are actually some states that are legislating to ban Confederate flags from any state uh, operations that sell trinkets in their gift shops or if there's a Confederate flag involved in any way. And that's just the first step. It'll, it'll go on to the next steps of uh, removing Confederate flags from public property, from your flagpole in your own home. Uh, that's something that's just incremental. Well, we're not going to stop flying ours. And I dare say that there are a lot of people who would say enough is enough. Well, the word genocide is intended to apply, imply a far worse travesty than a mere mundane war between two opposing parties. And yet it really is the same thing. Killing is killing. I guess for some people, one of the Ten Commandments is too simple for the masses to understand. Thou shalt not kill. A poor translation whereby the better word would be murder, and there is a difference. There's all kinds of people getting killed and murdered in the Bible. Some of the time it's justified and sanctioned, and sometimes it's just purely sin. The issue is loss of life by something other than natural causes. It is the mentality of human beings playing God, having the power of life and death in their hands. Now, the white race has the Holy Spirit, which gives us the mentality to separate ourselves from having a propensity for evil. God implores his people not to learn the ways of the racial aliens so that we will not be afraid of the signs of heaven. 
which I think is perhaps a reference to the original Zodiac before the Bible was written. The heathen will be afraid of what's coming to pass, but we shouldn't because it foretells of our deliverance, not genocide. Genocide is not something new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. But there are many names and adjectives for the adversaries of God and the white race. But the consistent point from ancient times to the present is that there is a serpentine people that will be eradicated from the earth forever. What I mean by serpentine is a people historically associated with ungodliness and stealth. They're like a snake in the grass. They cause our people to betray themselves with sin. They sell temptations as if it were a goodly commodity. But when we look at Scripture, if we look at um, Genesis chapter 6, and, and the fallen angels mating with the daughters of Adam and the race mixing that was going on at that time, the, the Scriptures exhibit a, a trust in God that even if God was so upset with man that he wanted to wipe him off the face of the earth, that he would preserve a remnant. And we're told by Christ that at the end of days, it would be as it was in the days of Noah. Therefore, we must know that our God will once again preserve a remnant. And that's written all over the promises in Scripture. Once we understand um, biblical prophecy and enough of it to see that the Word of God, when he makes a prophecy in, in our Scriptures, it's fulfilled, and, and we've seen 80 or 90% of it fulfilled over time. The empires described by Daniel a thousand years ahead of time in some facets of his prophecy, all of these things came to be. And, and it's not only Daniel, but Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Isaiah. Once we have that assurance, we should trust in God that even though it's as it was in the days of Noah, that we should know that we are going to prevail, that we have victory in Christ, and there is not going to be a genocide. We should not be, and I don't want to preclude, I don't want to um, get too far ahead and, and cut into a point you're going to try to make soon, but we should not be following the white nationalists in this. We should be exhorting them to be following us, and that's all I'll say right now. Well. If there, there's many secular white nationalists, I guess, that are unaware of really the Jewish problem historically uh, as the purveyors of sin. The uh, Revelation talks about the doctrine of Balaam. And what that was, was gussying up racial alien women for these young Israelites to miscegenate with. No different than what's happening today. Very much so. Um, there are so many Jewesses today that are getting plastic surgery and gussing themselves up to look white. And then 
getting our young white boys to marry them or to, what was the term you used with John DeNugent? Uh, Cohabit, fornicate. To, uh, yeah, uh, uh, open... Um, open relationship. Open relationship. That, ladies and gentlemen, is a curse upon our people. When we miscegenate with other races, the offspring is something that God did not create. God only created kind after kind. And if the Jew is the creator of this idea of white genocide, and they're also the creator of employing the doctrine of Balaam, then what's happening here is an ultimate curse upon our people. They've become the carpetbaggers of America in modern Babylon selling decadence, which is not for our good, but for our harm. Indeed, calling good evil and evil good. Well, could it be that our own people have been tricked into paying for their own executioner, their own destruction, their own sad demise because they bought into the consumer economy that feeds on all these poisons. And when they realize they're dying, but not realizing they are dying from the curses of Deuteronomy 28, they blame somebody else. They get lung cancer and still have a Marlboro between their lips and ask, hey, buddy, got a light? Christ told Peter three times, feed my sheep. You know, we got a real problem when the sheep don't want what Peter has to feed them. In 2 Peter 1, verses 2 through 11, Peter is making statements that would neutralize the notion that there could ever be a white genocide. He's addressing Israel only, the white race, who is the only race that receives a divine calling, which we can confirm. He says, if you do these things, he will never fall. Now, genocide is talking about a fall. What, pray tell, takes a fall in the Bible? And there followed another angel saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornications. I'm talking about white genocide tonight. One reason being because we have two Jews on the Supreme Court who have performed sodomite marriage ceremonies. 
God's law would remove the sodomite from society by annihilating them, regardless of race. 1963, the Supreme Court decided that reading the Bible in public schools was unconstitutional. The lone dissenting justice, Potter Stewart, said this removal, quote, led not to true neutrality with respect to religion, but the but to the establishment of the religion of secularism, end quote. And that is basically what Judaism is, man deciding what is right and wrong, not God. There's no safety in distance from God. You can't run from God. There's not one word from the churches in America to repent of helping the ungodly Antichrist Jews and loving the mongrel bastards who hate the Lord. No, the very things that bring divine judgment are embraced. When will our people begin to realize that focusing on the effects is allowing the cause to continue? If God's law of Deuteronomy 17:15 were obeyed. There would be no Jews or Negroes sitting on the Supreme Court, and issues like same-sex marriage would never be on the docket. Likewise, the effect of white genocide is not perpetrated by same-sex marriages per se. No, it is the cause of homosexuality, the deviant lust of the flesh. Taken to his logical conclusion, that would cease in the reproduction of our race. In the beginning, God didn't create Adam and Steve. God understands perfectly and is why he made a law to eliminate the cause of sodomy from ever proliferating and affecting the population birth rate of our race. Sodom and Gomorrah was his standard for resolving the sin of homosexuality. There were no signs or placards in those sitting saying sexual diversity is chasing down the last straight person. Those two cities were incinerated. And some people say, hey, Pastor, you've gone way too far. And I say, oh, yeah? I'm just warming up. <laughs> that, that, um, well, we'll do it here. I, I was going to wait un- until you finish the paragraph, but th- this might be a, an at spot. In, in the book of Joel, in the prophecy, God speaks of my great army, which I sent among you. And that term describes the caterpillars, the cankerworms, the pommel worms, and the locusts, which devoured Israel. And those aren't bugs. They are an analogy for the other races, which came in, and at that time it was the other nations, the Babylonians, the Assyrians, which came in, devoured the land, carted all the people off into captivity, 
that was described as these bugs and, and as a punishment for an Israel in apostasy. And that's a dual prophecy. And today we have the caterpillars, the cankerworms, the pommel worms, and the locusts. Today we have the mestizos, the niggers, the Chinese, and the Jews, and they're devouring our nation. And they're here, and it's a punishment for our apostasy from God. Another facet of, of the homosexuality problem is that very thing, that it's a punishment from God. In, in Romans chapter 1, Paul of Tarsus explains, and, and the fact that homosexuality was a big problem in first century Rome can be seen in the writings of the historian Tacitus. Tacitus wrote about 40 years after Paul did, but he understood that homosexuality was being peddled in Rome as a form of modernity, of modernism. At that time, in the first century, Tacitus made the remark that the Germans, speaking about the morals of the Germans of his time, it doesn't apply today, of course, Tacitus said that the Germans didn't um, engage in these forms of sexual deviancy and consider it fashionable. So we see in first century Rome, sexual deviancy was being considered fashionable. And that's what Paul of Tarsus was addressing in Romans chapter 1. And, and he was telling the Romans that this, um, that this sudden fashionability, this sudden trend toward homosexuality was God giving up an apostate people to their sin. And that's what we have today. We have a, a sinful white nation, or, or actually a whole series of sinful white nations that have abandoned God, so God is chastising them because they abandoned him. And, and that's why we have these alien hordes among us. That's why we have that this, um, that this rampant sexual deviancy. And the only solution to it, the only solution to it is to turn back to God. You know, I, I hate to use the word gay, but uh, there is increasingly um, uh, these gay pride parades uh, in major American cities and, and worldwide, essentially, that look like armies right. marching down it, the street. It, it's millions of people that are caught up in this in this nation, and, and it, most of them white. It's just not that they, they got a city permit um, to parade down the street. But uh, recently, we were in downtown Cincinnati, and the city had erected rainbow flags as a welcome to whatever gay pride festivities that they were going to be conducting. It's incredible. They're proud of it. Now... They're being endorsed by the cities themselves. Cincinnati. <laughs> Just like Philadelphia, I guess. Yeah, I guess. They're all sin cities with these armies of deviants marching down the street. No doubt about it. And, and it, you know, I'll tell you, I read recently, no, it's just not women being raped. I think I read it was in England where Muslims 
uh, even though it's against um, uh, Islamic law uh, for, of homosexuality, men in England, white men in England, uh, are being raped by Muslim predators. And Why not? They're as good as girls. M- most uh, of these mainstream men today are, are, are just like girls. They've been feminized by the food supply. They've been feminized by the public schools and the media. If, if they want to act like girls, they deserve to be raped. Again, the ultimate curse of allowing them to dwell in thy land. You reap what you sow. And like you just said, uh, uh, there will be no relief until we turn to the God of Israel. Now, why do you think that uh, these white nationalist leaders want to follow, they want their followers to be like the followers of Martin Luther King and, and nonviolent, when in fact, after King left a venue, riots ensued? Well, it's because the spirit of 76, 1776 has been sabotaged. One of the mottos of our founding fathers was no king but Jesus. And resistance to tyranny is obedience to God. But these spokesmen of the white race are preparing minnows for shark-infested waters they will need more than its leaders imploring their followers to be nonviolent. White South Africans have forgotten that little covenant they made with God in 1838 when apartheid fell. It was because they rejected the knowledge of Jesus Christ not the hippie, pacifist, Jewish Jesus, but the kinsman redeemer of the white race. How could anybody read the Revelation and think that Jesus is a hippie, pacifist? He's been depicted so many centuries by artists commissioned by the priestcraft. If you read Revelation chapter 2, he's going to throw the fornicators on a couch, and, and kill her, their children with death. If, if you read Revelation ch- chapter 19, it, he's coming with his armies, and, and the blood is going to be up to the horses' bridles. That There's nothing pacifist in the revelation of Christ. I know. But secular humanism, which is Judaism for non-Jews, has carried its vice virtually into the white nationalist movement with mouthpieces such as David Duke and his clones and an evolving hue and cry to cultivate this idea of victimization rather than a vibrant militant warrior spirit that historically comes to the rescue of our race. And and let me say, I hate to keep cutting you off, but David David Duke is one of those girly men. He's he's a fop. He 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 cares more about the way he looks than than what comes out of his mouth. He's a he's a vain, foppish man who prunes and prunes himself, who carries a, a a little lap dog around in a cloth bag everywhere he goes. I've seen pictures of him on the internet carrying this little doggy around 
and that's a that that's a trend that was first started by old rich Jewish women in Midtown Manhattan. And David Duke carries his little cute doggy around in his bag. His hair is perfectly groomed. His face is perfectly shaven. His fingernails are perfectly manicured. His clothing is impeccable. He's a, he's a girl. He's not even a man. And, and he is the type that would be raped by Muslims in the streets of London. <laughs> and I can't wait for it to happen. Well, nothing could shoot ourselves in the foot, Bill, faster than copying the methods of Jews by, by whining about white genocide. And, and David Duke is one of the leaders that's promoting uh, this uh, jingo of white genocide. He, he's also one of the ones who's the first to confer with the other races and seek justice from them. He's done it with Arabs. He's done it with Mexicans, and, and niggers are next. I wish the men of our race would uh, wake up and realize that they do have a warrior spirit that's in their soul, and that we can't grovel before the people that are intent upon destroying us. I believe the protocols of the learned elders of Zen are true. It's, it's the minutes of a meeting in the 1800s, the Jews have denied it being an actual document, that it's a fabrication. But the test of time has shown that all of these, most of these protocols have been implemented and have come to pass. I think they practically all have. I'm going to, we should probably do a segment on that someday. But I'm gonna, yeah. I am, I do hope to do a, a um, segment on the protocols of Zeon from a Christian perspective, and that might take several weeks. I'm sure it will. They've all come to, they've all been implemented to one degree or another in this country, as have all 10 planks of the Communist Manifesto. Uh, Whining might work for Jews, but not white people, uh, who surely account us as sheep for the slaughter. And in the Bible, white people are the, the Israel people are likened to sheep. The sheep have shepherds, and shepherds who will kill the wolves that intend to kill the sheepfold. Paraphrase uh, Hebrews 1.7, God's messengers are a flamethrower. <laughs> I've heard it said that we should do what the Jews do because it's worked so successfully for them. That we should learn the art of war by Sun Tzu. That we should put our religious beliefs on the back burner and watch each other's back in the foxhole when the race war begins. Then afterwards, when victory is realized, we can talk about Jesus. I guess they just don't get, they didn't get the memo that we are not them and they are not us. 
And here's breaking news. The race war began over 20 years ago and continues to get more violent as the white man uh, is waiting for what? A secular rapture? Uh, a David Duke book hitting the New York Times bestseller list? Uh, our own white entertainment television channel? Or maybe slogans will save us. Yeah, that's the ticket. If Duke wanted to be a venerated leader and not a monotonous, shallow, ego-driven, money-grubbing charlatan, then he could very simply take the lead, get down on his knees, and humble himself and pray privately and publicly and base his rhetoric on the word of God, not on his own vain imagination. And then, according to 2 Chronicles 7.14, God will hear his people and restore our nation race. He will heal our land. And that's, that's one of the promises of God. And it's worked in the past. It, it did work for the South African Boers in 1838 at the Battle of Blood River where they covenanted with their God, promising that they would remember their deliverance from the Zulu for all future generations, that they would be a separate people, a covenant people. And then in recent times, They've forgotten that covenant they made in 1838. And the communist ANC was right there licking their chops, conspiring for the overthrow of the apartheid system. And South Africa has become the murder capital of the world. I hate to think that that's a precursor or a signpost for what awaits our own country. As we see major riots ever increasing over racial incidences. The, the, the only determining factor, I believe, in how bad our nation gets is how quickly our people realize there's a problem and begin to repent and turn to God. And white nationalism, along with the soundbite of uh, white genocide, is simply exasperating the problem. It's, it's not helping us get anywhere. Well, well the, the white genocide and all the means, it, it's like the sheep bleeding out to the wolves for justice. It doesn't work. It's never going to work. The sheep are never going to get justice from the wolves. The sheep are only going to be dinner for the wolves. I think that's like uh, the, uh, the, the humorous uh, question of uh, the fox in the, uh, the chicken coop uh, saying, what's, what's for lunch? And uh, taking a vote on it. Right. 
Well, no doubt there are sincere people who are brainstorming to come up with the perfect soundbite that will magically awaken our race. But so far, not a single cliche has stuck in the minds of the brainwashed Teflon masses. A precursor to making genocide a part of secular nationalism was the uh, decreasing birth rate of the white race, including our decline with the bumper sticker, the white race, an endangered species. Uh, I remember when that came out by the National Alliance. It's as if we're right up there with the snail darter and the spotted owl. This started to reverberate some 15, 20 years ago. Various studies predict that we will be outnumbered or outreproduced by non-whites around the year 2050, becoming a racial minority in our own country, founded by white Christians. Even if white nationalists don't want to recognize the divine cause and effect of our own racial demographics, it nevertheless abounds through the historical record. All of the great white civilizations would fail because of the beast being integrated into their societies, which Daniel mentions in prophecy as successive empires. And I believe we're in the advanced stages of the last one right now, Mystery Babylon. And, and certainly we are. It's that this white genocide, well, when you hit the average white American with this idea of white genocide, they have no reference point, and they have no idea what you're talking about. But that they don't even have a, a, um, a, a context by which to gauge that. That they don't, they believe everything they see in the media, and, and everything's fine, and there's no problem. So when you come at them with these white genocide means that they just think you're from another planet, I mentioned Hosea 4, 6 when we first began, which says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. This is God talking. That thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. In other words, we jeopardize the fruit of the womb by discarding the law that will ensure the numbers of our people to multiply. The priestcraft of the Roman Catholic Church and Judeo-Churchianity do not serve the God of the white race, the God of the Bible, but they do serve another God that loves all races. Now, the fight whitegenocide.com website had an April 4th article that said, stop funding Christian and Jewish charities. These groups get federal funds to resettle third worlders in white communities throughout the United States, end quote. Well, this is at best inadvertent disinformation. It doesn't, they don't know what they're talking about. They are not and cannot be Christian if they are following the dictates of another religion. Just because the bag has a Gucci label doesn't mean it's not a knockoff made in China. So this kind of ignorance serves 
Jewish interest well by quenching the spirit of any white person seeking the creator of our race who gave our people a law that said of other races, they shall not dwell in thy land. How simple is that? And that's how it was once upon a time when we were growing as a nation race and being blessed by God for following his law. Now, I participated last March 16th in what was touted Stop White Genocide, right here in Northern Kentucky, and supposedly worldwide, with the loosely knit organization's purpose to, quote, plant successful means into the public discourse, end quote. I have a long history of street activism from my years on the West Coast, so I was kind of eager to meet fellow activists. And I had an ulterior motive and and perfect opportunity to recruit these brave hearts into Christian identity. And and let me touch up real quick and let me say that that right there is the only um, valid reason why identity Christians should get involved in those things. Yes. It's okay to engage with white nationalists if we're trying to convince them to our cause. But it's not okay for identity Christians to follow white nationalists. Yet you're actually following the priest of a different God. Well, for years, I, people ask me, what can we do? And I tell them, plant the seed and set the example. Right. And, of course... Um, they're not believers yet, but that's what evangelists, evangelists and, and missionaries are for. These, we need missionaries and Christian identity to our own people. Yes, we do. Who aren't up to speed with the truth. And, uh, and, and we do deal with heretics. Uh, I think the admonition is Speak to a heretic uh, twice, and if he does not hear thee, then depart from him. So, you know, we shouldn't um, uh, reject our own brethren uh, without first uh, attempting to communicate them, uh, because they are our neighbor, and we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. The um, Christian identity, we believe we have the truth, and, and if, if if we are persuaded by that, and we should be, we have to be the shining city on a hill, and, and rather than kick our brethren down the hill, but we should try to lift, reach down and help them up to where we are, and, and that's our obligation. So there's nothing wrong with engaging white nationalists, as long as our intent is to show them by um, our example that we do have the better way. Well, we don't put our lamps under a basket. Right. Um, and at least, um, you know, there's, there's all kinds of, of white nationalists, uh, all ages, all demographics, but 
I know what it takes to, to get on the street. And I have to say, anyone who stands on a street corner with signs having to do with, with race has the courage of their convictions to be there in the first place. It's just that they're, they're still somewhat in the dark. And um, Christian identity is a light uh, to that darkness that will dispel the darkness. And again, however, the promoters and so-called leaders, the David Duke clones, are only creating a meme that gives God lip service, if anything at all. They may think they're doing something productive, but the real life results are dismal. The problem is that we need more than a bumper sticker mentality to explain the gravity of our predicament. Slogans like um, anti-racist is a code word for anti-white. That is so cryptic that for the most part, only white nationalists knows what it means. That day we were on the street corner, thousands of motorists passed by our signs. And to be honest, most of them had that glazed look over their eyes. If there was to be any meme, there was not one car that stopped and got out to join us. And and that's why I said earlier that most Americans, most whites, have no reference point to understand these means of white nationals. A good example of why it's not a good idea for Christian identity and white nationalists to merge as one force, you know, white nationalists think thinks they're the leaders and that Christian identity should follow them. Right, and it's absolutely not true. And... Uh, it's not going to happen. There's, I think most Christian identity uh, loyalties go straight to Christ and not to man. Well, well, right. And as far as I'm concerned, Don Black, David Duke, um, and, and, and all of these others, they don't want to worshiping the Jews. David Duke is working with Jeff Renz. David Duke is um, on the same radio network as this brother Nathaniel clown who turns Christianity into a circus, these men can all go straight to hell. If they don't accept Christ first and put God first and reject the Jew 100% on that basis and reject the other races on that basis, they can go straight to hell because they will never have cooperation from Christian identity. Right. Well, we are not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, and there are a few Christian identity pastors who go beyond two admonitions to the heretic and don't even care and have yoked themselves together with the secular humanism of white nationalism. And here's a good example of a recent email from Tom Robb of the Ku Klux Klan in Arkansas yoking himself with unbelievers or at best, only those who give mere lip service. Now, I know Tom Robb. I've known him for years. He's a good man. But his leadership is found to be wanting. 
He's putting up billboards in Arkansas with a little girl and her little brown puppy with the caption, it's not racist to heart your people. In other words, it's not racist to love your people. As if racism was evil. Why would anyone in Christian identity or white nationalism deny their racist views when there's nothing wrong about it? Is it because the media is now asking after something like the South Carolina shooting in a black church, should racism be considered a mental illness? Is the tail wagging the dog? In this email, it says we are looking for men and women who want to spread the good news of white Christian revival and send a warning of white genocide to their community or neighboring community. The problem with white people is that they don't stick together. You have a chance to put your city on the map or help someone else. Now the problem, which I just read from Hosea 4.6, is not that white people don't stick together, it's that they have a lack of knowledge. People can stick together, so what? If they don't have the knowledge of the saving grace of Christ, they're not going to get very far. The, the children of Israel stuck together when they all went off into paganism. It didn't get them anywhere. <laughs> it, 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 didn't, it, it didn't help them at all. They all joined together and built that golden calf at the base of Mount Sinai. Right. But the um, Whites can only find unity in Christ. Whites sticking together will never get them anywhere unless each individual white cleaves to his God, and then whites will have a natural unity that's far greater than, than blood and water. It's far greater than whites just sticking together on a basis of skin color or race. This email continues. Everyone needs to get involved in the summer campaign. The Crusader is a fantastic newspaper, and this next issue highlights our many projects and sends a stern warning about white genocide. We would like to see distributions in every state. Well, I'm sorry, but I, I have to disagree with uh, this type of misunderstood propaganda. This is the same as trying to put out a fire with gasoline. As we've already mentioned tonight, crying white genocide is not the answer. It's exasperating the problem. So that day when I was on the street corner, uh, half of the people of which were Christian identity, I was holding a sign that said diversity is chasing down the last white person. 
I pondered what the heck that meant all day. <laughs> if there's only one white person left in the world, what's the point of chasing them down? And what kind of apocalyptic thought is that to plant in the minds of our people? You call that good propaganda? The enemies of our race will tell you that the Bible is a Jewish book, that Jesus was a Jew, and that Christianity is what Richard Dawkins says it is. Well, that's fine if you really want to believe that you evolved from a primordial ooze and then monkeys. But the truth is the Bible is a template for chasing down the last Jew. Which concept do you want to be a part of? One that paints a bleak future of doom and gloom, in which the only thing you can do is wallow in self-pity and be a part of the culture of victimhood? I heard someone say recently that David Duke is Al Sharpton in whiteface. And that someone is sitting right next to me. So I'll give credit where credit is due. False shepherds deserve such ridicule like Duke, who is playing the sympathy card with an agenda of whining and self-aggrandizement. Duke's propaganda and that of his wannabe clones can't get past recognizing a problem and then closing the gap to properly identify the problem, which can only lead to the right resolution. The signs and placards will only get us so much mileage. And if the message is negative, like we're all going to die, it's going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy. How about this? A sign that read, all of Israel shall be saved. The Bible is cause and effect for the correction of the white race, not its destruction. The cause of pandering white genocide will effectually spiral into the psychology of being a victim. The cause within the pages of the Bible is the ethnic cleansing of our own Israelite nations. You've heard the, the, the gene pool needs more chlorine. Well, maybe the mean pool needs a reality check. Why is Hitler so vilified and demonized? It's because he would have no cowardice or retreat in purging Germany of its enemies. That's the meme we need to cultivate in the minds of our people. I love that quote from um, General Patton. He said, no bastard ever won a war by dying for his own country. He won it by making the other poor but not dumb bastard die for his country. Carried to its logical conclusion, are we going to carry signs that read white Auschwitz? Or are we going to carry the sword of Christ that reads Luke 19.27? And let people look it up for themselves. It's hardly the mantra of God loves everybody. Are we going to be chased or are we going to be the chasers? Regardless of the numbers, as Gideon soon found out, having reduced his soldiers from 32,000 to 300, 
brought an even more incredible victory and glory to God. The Bible says, five of you shall chase a hundred, and one hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight, and your enemy shall fall by the sword. Can you believe such a lopsided ratio? The dukes of desolation and wasted lives being chased from our God is a mentality of expectations, the anticipation of being the last white man. What kind of hope is that? The Bible is the white man's template for life, a blueprint for victory, and will defeat those who want to kill us. If you've never seen the movie Braveheart, you need to see it just for that one stirring moment during the Battle of Stirling Bridge in which one nervous Scottish soldier thinks it might be better to retreat and live the fight another day. However, William Wallace gives this response, quote, I fight and you may die. Run and you'll live at least for a while. And dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all those days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they may never take our freedom. It's in our blood to fight. We are God's battle axe and weapons of war. For with thee will I break in pieces the nations, and with thee will I destroy kingdoms. I suspect the incident in Charleston, South Carolina is probably a contrived event. To quash our God-given right to keep and bear arms while black thugs conduct their race war against us. I know there's many well-meaning white nationalists who care about their race and a future for our posterity. But good intentions don't count. God didn't write good intentions on our hearts. He wrote his law on our hearts with divine intentions. The white man doesn't need to invent a better mousetrap. Now, I've been rather irked for many years with David Lane's 14 words. We must secure the existence of our people and a future for white children a mantra-like meme that echoes throughout secular nationalism to the exclusion of God and dilution of the preamble to wit, secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. That is not only racial, but Christian as well. Lane's mantra is suggestive of what's in it for me rather than we the people of God, and e pluribus unum, one out of many. The Twelve tribes of Israel united in the nation states of America. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is no coincidence. When the 13 colonies, calculated as 13 tribes, with Joseph's two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, was a nation born in a day at the expiration 
of seven times punishment upon Israel. 2,520 years from their Assyrian captivity to the year 1776. No Jew can make that claim. Well, just for kicks, I took it upon myself several years ago <laughs> to create a new 14 words that goes, we must turn our hearts and minds over to the care of our God. Needless to say, uh, the Lane meme is at its zenith, while the Downey meme isn't even out of the gate. I, I don't even use it, but I believe it. And it's only a matter of time before every knee shall bow to the God of Israel. God's law is written in our heart and mind as a matter of the new covenant. Good intentions or otherwise, it remains dormant. when. The men of our race think they can do a better job than God when it comes to saving ourselves. Racial salvation does come from intelligent design, and the template has already been designed, not only for our survival, but for the advancement of the kingdom of God on earth. So you can see that shouts of white genocide does not dovetail with God's plan for the ages. In fact, it goes against the grain of positive Christianity. And let me interject. I know for a fact, I don't know where it, where it is off the top of my head, but I know for a fact that David Lane's meme is actually based on the words of Adolf Hitler in Mein Kampf. And it's interesting that you mentioned positive Christianity in connection with that because David Lane denied Christianity while Adolf Hitler, the man who David Lane stole that idea from and, and made a meme out of it, but he stole that idea from Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler was a Christian who instituted a government based on positive Christianity and, and pulled Germany from the cesspool of Jewish-inspired immorality in the Weimar Republic, pulled them out of that cesspool in a society which was re-founded on Christian principles. So David Lane, might, he might sound good, but his original, his idea is not original, and his idea belonged to a Christian who was a man of action and put his Christianity into effect. The 14 words are just as counterproductive as why genocide? Now, isn't isn't it um, interesting how coincidentally uh, the the David Lane followers are looking towards a godless future, just as the Jew World Order Absolutely. is looking at a future a godless future. And it's only God that could secure an existence for our people. That's very true. You know, we can do better than complaining about our trials and tribulations. In one of my previous sermons, there's uh, a four-part series called It's Dangerous to Be Right, which was inspired by some of your uh, 
talks with Brother Ryan about uh, uh, walking the walk. And uh, it really was all about walking in his steps, for Christ showed us the way. And I don't mean to disparage real victims of of non-white hate crimes or the profuse spike in in violence against white people or reverse discrimination as there there certainly is collateral damage, as the neocons call it, uh, without the victims being responsible. But we should never willingly submit to the status of victim. Uh, as Jews have done. The Bible calls it the shedding of innocent blood. Pastor Don Elmore has talked about the Georgia Guidestones. Uh, it's kind of a mini Stonehenge-like construction built in 1980 by some anonymous, mysterious global elitist inscribing on granite slabs a, a rather sinister and ominous message to reduce the Earth's population of 5.5 billion to 500 million people. Now, no one has ever investigated this place under the auspices of the Genocide Treaty. But hey, it's only 5 billion people who will die by human design. Proverbs 23.7 says, For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. In other words, God knows the idols of our heart, regardless of our public rhetoric. What you're committed to is what you put your faith in. You don't have to be a Christian to have faith. Talk is cheap if you don't walk the talk. If your thoughts are preoccupied with afflictions, then you will be afflicted, almost a form of spiritual hypochondria. Are you really? the object of genocide. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in Gehenna. Our Bible is replete with ramifications of mass death where thousands perish, but it's always through the sovereignty of God's will. When Romans 8.28 says, all things work together for good, it means everything. But here's the catch. It only applies to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Furthermore, this promise can only be reserved for white Christians. White people with a faith but no works is not genocide, it's suicide. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. James 2.26. Every one of us must be either God's friend or enemy. Our God doesn't like lukewarm. If our people don't have faith, the right kind of faith, not just lip service, we cannot be justified. We can't justify the life we live without Christ. What is justification? Romans 8.1 explains 
there is no condemnation to those among Christ Jesus. Indeed, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has liberated you from the law of guilt and death. Christ gives us a brand new start. We become a new creation in him. We may die, but if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. This speaks of our resurrection from the grave. Even if we were genocided, which ain't going to happen. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep or die, but we shall all be changed or transformed. This means that when Christ returns to earth, there will be, there will still be Israelites who are alive. How many? I do not know. But as far as Jews wanting to destroy the entire white race, their commitment to our genocide will never come to pass. Because that is the desire of their heart, God will reciprocate that death wish upon them. I warn any white person not to be swept away in the currents of Jewish propaganda or race traders who have bought into the big lie. And the promise of Christ is to destroy the works of the devil. We all know that the Jews collectively are the devil. And I might add that regardless of what white nationalists may tell you, it is true that through Christ, we are liberated from the law of guilt. And that includes this thing called white guilt. Um, so many people, so many of our people have this guilt complex, which is pounded into them in public schools, from government, from the churches. If you become Christian identity, that guilt evaporates. This idea of being an evil racist simply evaporates. Being a racist is actually being in obedience. Well, well thank God that, that God is a racist, because if God weren't a racist, we would all be niggers. <laughs> and the fact that we're not all niggers proves that God is a racist. You know, we're warned from the word of God about the cause and effect of how we live our lives and that there will be rewards, which can either be blessed or cursed. The ultimate curse is to die having believed a lie by not having a love for the truth. White genocide is a lie. If you truly believe in the secular notions of white genocide, then expect to be judged for misplacing your trust and faith in Jesus Christ. The very last verse in the Old Testament, Malachi 4.6, is a Christian identity message to the fathers and to their children to turn their hearts to God 
Why? Lest I, God Almighty, come and smite the earth with a curse. John 3.16 is perhaps one of the most abused passages in the New Testament by failing to discern the significance between perishing and everlasting life. Both of these destinies rest on whether we read, believe, and obey the Word of God. There was a time when our entire race perished except for eight people in a boat because the father and his family were perfect in his generations and walked with God. They remained racially pure. It was a time when their society was eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Well, what's wrong with that, you may ask? It was gluttony and drunkenness and miscegenation and same-sex marriages. Noah didn't go around screaming diversity is genocide. No, he built an ark. So ask yourself, what is my ark today? What must I do so that my family will not perish in this world gone mad? Well, there's another ark called the Ark of the Covenant. And all of the covenants of the Bible were made with the same race of people. Inside the Holy of Holies resided the ark. And inside the ark was the testimony of God and his law. Being that the temple has been replaced by our own physical body, the Holy of Holies is our brain and the head of our body is Jesus Christ. Therefore, the new covenant is God and his law put in our heart and mind. He dwells within his people. Any attempt to destroy this spirit of God that gives us light and life is futile because God is eternal and ever-living. That includes the notion of white genocide. When we speak of spiritual things, that means having the mentality of righteous racism because without it, we don't have the mind of Christ, and thus we are dead. Amen. Well said. I'm going to, um, well, well, we'll reserve the rest of our comments for next week when we continue with part two of the series, The Hour is Late. So we will cut this here, and I thank you for joining me and look forward to the second portion of this, of this series and this discussion. With that, we will close. Thank you for listening. Praise Yahweh, the God of Israel, and the hope, and the only hope of our race. With him, the term white genocide is an oxymoron. Good night. Good night.